It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Hey, shout out to our podcast listeners as well. You don't have to look at the copy-stained pants, so God bless you. Um, and our audience is growing. I mentioned last week that in October, our audience globally uh, was a new record for us. And uh, Aussie's number one, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Uh, and number two uh, country in October is our friends from the mighty US of A. And number three uh, country, moving to the number three spot, uh, is uh, our neighbors, the Philippines. So we thought we'd just give our Filipino friends a little shout out this morning. Magandang umaga po, Luzon, Visayas, at Mindanao. Kamusta po kayong lahat? Mabuhay! So uh, if you, uh, if uh, that's one of our Filipino uh, people, if she actually swore, then please email us and let us know because we have, we don't know because she might have just said some things that we would all regret. Uh, hey, when I was... Um, in school, which is around just after electricity was discovered, uh, um, there was only, listen to me, those of you under 40, this is going to blow your mind, there was only two commercial television channels. There was Channel 2, but there was Channel 7, commercial channel, and Channel 9. And uh, the programming was pretty average, i got to tell you. Um, there was some uh, talkback kind of live kind of shows during daytime television, and they, weren't, they were not good. Uh, and I would occasionally watch them. Maybe I was on holidays or I was homesick or whatever. Uh, what, it, what it, though, gave birth to, and one of the ways they funded these very average shows, they didn't need much funding because there wasn't much quality to uh, input into them. One of the ways they funded it, and it's now become normative. In fact, this whole uh, channel's devoted to it, but they would have these little shopping sections, these little infomercials. Someone would come in and try to sell you stuff that was probably not very good and you really didn't need... Um, and they would tell you about the benefits and the features. This pillow does this, and this neck warmer does this, and this thing that you, you, you can't live without. Uh, and, and the way they would incentivize, and this was every product on every show, the way they would incentivize people to buy this essentially crap was, was they, would, they would go through all the features and benefits of this stuff, and you're like, they're expecting that you're in your living room going, oh, wow. Wow, 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 mind blown. And then they would say what at the time became sort of an Aussie thing to say, but wait, there's more. And they would then pitch, if you buy this for the low, low price or four simple installments, phone now, it was phone now, we will send you a set of steak knives. Every show, every piece of crap offered, if you bought it, a set of steak knives. And I would sit there and I think, who is using all of these steak knives? But anyway, the phrase, but wait, there's more, has just stuck in my brain. And I actually, you know, I never bought one of those products. So I don't have steak knives. Uh, but I actually often think about it when it comes to following Jesus. That's kind of this phrase that goes around in my head that, that when I've experienced uh, something of Jesus, something of his promise, something of his power, something of his presence uh, in my life or, or in Elevate Church or people around me, 
I'm, I always then have this echo thought come to me, but wait, there's more. And it's so encouraging and, 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 and so incentivizing and much better than any steak knives will ever be. And I kind of, over the years, I've, I've, I've wrestled with this idea uh, that I hadn't gotten language for personally and certainly to teach until earlier this year. And I was te- teaching a particular message, and this was only one of the points I made, but it happened to be one of the points that, that I've taught here that I got the most feedback from, um, or as Filipino people call it, feedbacks. And uh, that's a joke. It's not meant to be racist. Carry on. Um, all the Filipino go, no, we don't. I get it. I get it. It's a, it's a, move on. The simple idea that there is a difference between contentment and settling. Because here's this, here's this seeming duality that, that we are taught and, and, and God reminds us again and again and again that we are to live contented. That we are to be people who, who live with a sense of, I am so grateful for who I am. I'm so content with who I am. I'm so grateful for what I have, what God's blessed me with, that, that, that I am content. You know, Paul said it very overtly. He said, be content in every situation, in every circumstance. Yet, whilst being content, there's more. So, so how do we, or what is that? Can I, and I, it took me a long time just to get these simple words to describe there's a difference between contentment and settling. That God is with us, and yet God's always promising more. God says, be content with what you have and know that there's more. That there's more love, more power, more promise, more presence, more favor. More blessing, more health, more and better marriages, more and better kids. Maybe just better would be, you'd be happy with that. But, but that there's more. That, so being content is not the same as settling. So I want to talk this morning around this idea of more. In fact, I've called it this morning breakthrough to expansion. That we're not to live, we're not called to live whilst, whilst we're called to be content, we're not called to be shrunk-wrapped. We're not called to, 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 to settle in this confined, limited, less, oh, well, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse, but it could be better. It, it could be less, but it could be more. That there's, there's always more. And so I want to get into what James talks about. In this series we've called Breakthrough, How to Turn Setback into a Comeback. And if you've got our app, you can open the Bible title. It's the bottom left corner. It's going to take you to a slice of this letter that was written by James. Now, James, he was the half-brother of Jesus. While Jesus was on this earth, uh, James didn't actually buy into the notion that Jesus was the Son of God, which I get it. He would have kicked a soccer ball around with him. He would have worked in the work, dad's workshop chipping tools. He would have seen Jesus in, in every situation. Like you telling me you're the son of God. No, you're the son of mom, just like me. And, and it actually took James to have seen his brother killed on a cross and then appear to him, James, several days later, alive again for him to say, ah, okay, you were telling the truth. This is, you are the son of God. 
I, I get it now, and I believe you now. And then James went on to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he wrote this letter, and he wrote this letter to, to Jewish Christians around the, the known world. And it is super practical. It's just five chapters as, as we see it now. And basically, James, he kind of just... He just gets out of the gates. The, the first verse or the opening of the letter is like, G'day, I'm James. And then he just starts on. Just drop in. Super, 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 super practical. Not comfortable. Not politically correct. He doesn't really care if you like it. He's going to tell us things that we might not like to hear. Stuff about how we should speak and not speak and who we should treat as being esteemed in our, in our presence. And, don't, and, it, and, it, and it goes on and on. It's like, but super, super practical. And uh, we've taught week one about this bizarre notion that James says, when you're facing any kind of test or challenge, test or challenge, think of it as a sheer gift. And we were like, what? So you have to get into that and figure that out. Last week, we had the juicy topic of temptation. When you get tempted and you give in to temptation, don't blame God. The devil put it out like a fishing lure, and you took the bait. And so we unpacked a bit of what that looks like to not take the bait and not get lured into temptation. Well, now let's look about expansion. And, and, and a little spoiler, what James talks about, the, the pathway to an expansion, expansive life, actually on the surface seems somewhat counterintuitive. So I'm going to try and drill into that and make sense of it this morning. Verse 22 James writes, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener. It's like, wow, just, why, don't, James, why don't you just give it to me straight, mate? Don't fool yourself into thinking you're a listener when you're anything but letting the word, this is God's word, go in one ear and out the other. No, act on what you hear, dummy. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror and walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are, what they look like. It's like, Argh. There's a couple of mistakes that James points out that we could make if we're not careful. One is don't treat God's word like a window. Treat it like a mirror. In other words, when you're reading God's word, don't read it with a list of people that you want to then go and drop truth bombs on because you're looking at the mirror, or, I mean, at the window. Oh, yeah, my husband. Can't wait to read this to him when he gets home. Oh, my neighbor. Oh, and looking at what everyone else and how their lives aren't lining up to the truth of God's word. Don't treat God's word like a window. Treat it like a mirror that God's actually speaking to you, speaking to us, showing us stuff that he wants to get involved in. And then another mistake that we can make is, is actually not... Looking in the mirror, using this metaphor, not actually reading God's word because we're scared of what we're going to see. I'm going to look in the mirror because I'm not sure I'm going to like what's coming back at me. But the reality is God doesn't ask us to look in the mirror, doesn't ask us to read his word with the goal of trying to shame us. He actually encourages us to read it and apply it with the goal of trying to change us and change us into his image and his likeness, which is always better and always more. Not less, not shrunk-wrapped, and not shame-filled. He, he's actually, we use this churchy word, revelation. When we read God's word, he wants to bring some revelation. Well, the word revelation comes from the simple word reveal. In other words, when we look in the mirror, it should reveal stuff. We go, oh, stuff that you can't see unless you look at the mirror. Now, last week, we played a game 
that I called Fishing Lure or Indie Rock Band, and by popular demand, you guys loved it so much, that I, I thought we'd play another game this morning. So this is a little game I like to call, How Well Do You Know Your Bible? All right? So, oh yeah, some of you are like, Ugh. fine, I'm not calling you up. You don't have to shout it out. Just answer in your head. Be honest. So three questions, and it's going to be multiple choice. All right, good. Phew. All right, here we go. Question number one. What type of insect did John the Baptist eat in the desert? Was it A, cockroaches, B, locusts, or C, protein-rich crickets? And the correct answer is B, locusts. All right, everyone, how many got that right? Got that, be honest, be honest. All right, very good, very good. All right, okay, good. All right, question number two. Paul was shipwrecked on what island? Is it A, Rottnest, <laughs> B, Corsica, or C, Malta? And the correct answer is A, Rottnest. <laughs> Not true. Fake news. C, Malta. Anyone two for two? Still two? For... All right, okay. It's about half of you. Very good, very good. All right. Lucky last, question number three. After Jesus fed 5,000 plus people with two fish and five loaves of bread, which he stole from a young boy, how many baskets were left over? Was it A, five, B, 12, or C, 50? And the correct answer is B, 12. Anyone three for three? All righty, you get a prize. You get to go to heaven. Just... <laughs> Hopefully not today. <laughs> Come on. What a, what, what a prize, man. Hey, listen. You know, you, some people may actually draw the conclusion that the people who would do well at this sort of a game must be the most mature. Those with the most knowledge. Yeah, you're like, about time you recognize it. All right, all right, all right. But, but in some circles, the knowledge is linked with maturity, right? In fact, knowledge is, is seen in some circles as being the definitive like demonstration that somebody is mature, but not in James' estimation. And this is what he wrote. I'm gonna read it again. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later, they have no idea who they are and what they look like. Now, I work from home. Working from home affords, if you work from home, you'd know this, telecommuting, whatever you want to call it, you would know it affords you certain luxuries, okay? It is optional to change out of your pajamas. It's not essential, okay? They're, 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 you can all, you never have to worry about getting one of those notes from the courier who came to deliver but needed a signature, and so now you've got to go and schlep to the post office and get your part. No, it's always, I'm on a first-name basis with all of my couriers. Good to see you, Barry. Welcome back. Yep, my wife bought another pair of shoes. I know. <laughs> but occasionally I leave the house. And uh, when I do, the last thing I do, and this is like I've taught myself this, and I, I taught myself having learned it the hard way. The last thing I do before I leave my house, whether it's to go to a meeting or come here on a Sunday morning, the last thing I do is I go into the bathroom, 
and I look in the mirror. Now, I'm not looking to see how pretty I am. That's a given. Uh, I'm going, I, I go in to look in the mirror, and I do a quick eye crispy check. A quick look and examinations to ask or identify, are there any residual eye crispies anywhere in my eye socket? Because if, because I'm aware, if there are, and I'm talking to you, you can't think about anything else. You're looking at me and you're like, this guy has got the equivalent of boogers in his eyeballs and it's gross. And you're a first time guest. Oh, you know, I've been praying, God lead me to a church. And you know, so I went online and I, and I saw Elevate and I came along and, and then I met the guy who leads the church and he had these things in his eyes. It was just gross. I'm never, I'm never going back there again. I'm, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. So I do a quick eye crispy check. But think about this. I have one goal and one goal only as the result of my eye crispy check. That if I discover one or more eye crispies, that I would immediately remove them before leaving the house. Because think about this. Think about this, right? What sort of an idiot would I be if I've gone to the mirror for the one purpose of identifying eye crispies and then say, oh yeah, there's some eye crispies. And then I just grab my bag and walk out the door and head to the meeting and sit there looking at the person across the table with big boogers in my eyes. You think to yourself, didn't you look in the mirror before you left home? And I'd say to you, yeah. Didn't you see the eye crispies before when you looked in the mirror? And I go, yeah. Well, why didn't you remove them? And I go, because I'm an idiot. I'm not looking in the mirror to see if there's anything interesting. I'm not looking in the mirror to accumulate knowledge of the presence of eye crispies. I'm looking in the mirror to see is there anything reflected back at me that needs to change, that needs to be better, that needs to be improved. And if I see them, it's incumbent upon me and it's like, duh, that I would change them that I would say, I, Crispies, be gone in Jesus' name. And yet James is calling out people here that, that may have a lot of knowledge. If that was a 20-question game of how well do you know your Bible, you would have got 21 out of 20. He's calling people that say, okay, knowledge matters. You can't do something with God's Word if you don't first read God's Word. It's like looking in the mirror and you'll see him, God, revealing stuff. But the revelation isn't on its own enough. The revelation on its own isn't the goal. The revelation is the next step in the transformation process. But it's not the only step. And James is calling out people that make it the only step. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Good one, God. Love it. Boom. Bible shut. Leave the house. Do nothing about it. So here's what I say around this idea. I believe that the Word of God, aka the stuff that's in what we now know as the Bible, I believe it's incredibly powerful. And on its own, it will not change your life. 
Some of you like, the caffeine's just kicked in. Like, did the guy that leads the church just say that the word of God won't change your life? Uh, yeah, I did. In fact, just so you know that you weren't having some sort of spiritual nightmare that you just woke up from because it sounded like somebody said something that we should tie him up and burn him on a stake for saying, I'm going to say it again. I believe that the word of God is extremely powerful and on its own will not change your life. Let me spin it this way. Any, anybody here own any, a cookbook or some cookbooks, recipe books? Anyone own some cookbooks? Okay. Any cookbooks? Yeah, like some of those cookbooks. Any of you got any cookbooks that you haven't actually uh, touched recently? They are now what we call uh, vertical dust collectors. Yeah, all right, good, yeah. See, here's the thing about cookbooks. You can buy a cookbook... But if all you do is buy it, you will not become a good cook. The, the transaction of now owning a cookbook will not automatically transform you into being a good cook. So here's what you can do. You can take that cookbook, right? And you can, you know, pour yourself a coffee, sit on the couch and read that cookbook. Nice pictures, Hmm, interesting recipes. Oh, yeah, I like that one. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, hmm, that, that one, I bet that would be tasty. And then finish reading that cookbook and put it back on the shelf. So now here's what you've done. You've bought the cookbook. You've now read the cookbook, but you haven't cooked. Buying the cookbook and reading the cookbook will not make you a better cook. The only thing missing should we say the missing ingredient? That's my annual dad joke. Uh, you're welcome, Scott Downey. He writes all of my dad jokes. Is to buy the cookbook, read the cookbook, and then make stuff from the recipes in the cookbook. In other words, apply it. Don't just read it and put it back on the shelf. Don't just look in the mirror and walk away. Don't just hear the word of God and do nothing about it. Buying and reading a cookbook won't make you a great cook. Buying and reading your Bible won't transform your life. The thing that will ultimately allow the transformation to take place is if you put into practice what you've read. Information does not equal transformation. Information plus application equals transformation. And so for me, rather than knowledge being used as the, as the litmus test of whether someone's mature, I actually phrase it differently. For me, the litmus test is lag time. Simply lag time. Lag time, the, the, the time it takes for any one of us, between, between when we look in the mirror and God reveals something to us that he wants to transform and asks us to do something about it, the lag time between reading it or hearing it and doing it. The lag time. That's the sign of maturity. Because that's the sign that, that to me that someone is learn, learning to trust God more. 
Because you won't obey someone you don't trust unless you think that there's punishment on the end, which is not what God's motive ever is. It's not punishment, it's transformation. He's trying to cause us to be molded and shaped into the image of his son, Jesus. But it's going to take the revelation, the information, plus the application that leads to the transformation. And, and as we are growing, as we're maturing, that lag time should be getting less. The, the, the uh-huh and yes should be getting closer. Because we trust and then we obey. Now, I said that at the beginning, the pathway to expansion on the surface is counterintuitive because James is actually talking about obedience. Now, you don't have to respond, but, but, but just think for a moment. What are the, what are the first thoughts? What's the default? What, what emotions, words, memories, images, concepts pop into your brain when you hear the word obedience? Obedience. Because <laughs> I, 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 it would be understandable from my point of view if for some of you, you hear the word obedience and it's a negative. It's like, this sounds to me like someone's trying to dominate my dojo and I don't like being told what to do, right? So I, no, obedience, no. That, that if I say yes to somebody else's will, then, then, then that puts me at risk of them shrink-wrapping my life and I've got no power over it. But when we learn to trust, when we learn that God's motive is, is, is more and better in our lives, th- then obedience becomes a positive. It's like, ah, I get it. I now know why mom and dad insist I go to school every day. They're not trying to punish me. They're trying to see me grow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to school every day because you learn to trust mom and dad's motives. Well, same goes with God. As we learn to trust his motives, then obedience shouldn't be a scary word. It shouldn't be a negative. It should be be like, wow, somebody that knows more than me, somebody that loves me unconditionally, and somebody whose agenda, when he asks me to do something, is that he wants to do something with that. He's revealed it. I've looked in the mirror. I've heard his word. I've read his word. And, and, and there's a sense of, I, yeah, he's asked me to do something with that. And you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. I'm going to give that a shot. I'm going to see what happens. I might not know everything about it. I might not know exactly what that's going to play out. But I'm going to trust God. So I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to allow myself to apply what I've learned, what I've read, what I've heard. Assuming and expecting that it's going to lead me to an expansive life. And this is what James goes on to write. Whoever, but, so he's contrasting this guy, girl, with the clown or the fool. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. And that person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Wow. If we are people 
who take the time to hear and read God's word, that that gives us a glimpse, that exposes us to what the free life looks like. It's not limitations, it's the opposite. It's freedom, freedom from the limitations that we maybe have been used to, that we'll ultimately find delight and affirmation in the action. And I say this regularly, that God, when we trust him, when we say yes to him, when we do something with what we've read, assume, and you can assume correctly, that God wants to do something for you and or in you and or through you. And that it's only as we step across the line of obedience and say yes, that we're gonna see and experience for ourselves and for the people around us the free life. We will find delight and affirmation in, not in the reading, not in the hearing, not in the revelation in the mirror, but in the action. So I'm gonna give you all some homework, but it's not like homework for tomorrow, it's like homework for life, but you can start tomorrow. Maybe even start today if you haven't made other plans. Here's the homework. Uh, <laughs> this is an invitation. It's not meant to sound like I'm beating you up. Uh, read your Bible. Okay? This is the homework. I know. Who would have imagined that a guy that's leading a church would ask people to read their Bible? What sort of a world are we living in? And, and I've invited us to, to read this letter that James wrote through this time because this series we've taken from his letter. Uh, read it. And just read it a bit at a time. Don't try to read it all. You, you'd be, just read a little bit at a time. Uh, if you've got the Bible app, which is free, you can download that. There's a bunch of plans. Just go to plans, type in James. And a bunch of you, as am I, are working through some of the plans. But that's not the end of the homework. That's like open the book or the app. Great. And when you do, and or these messages of the, that we're teaching from James, it's going to sound like the real life insurance commercials, which are terrible, by the way. <laughs> There's one simple thing you can do right now. I know, they're terrible, but they get stuck. Those advertising executives. When, when you read the Bible, when? Now, I'm saying that I'm not naive, but my hope is that you will. When you read the Bible, when we read the Bible, uh, and or get, it, get into a plan, don't rush it. And when you get to the end of that, reading session, used to be called devotionals, reading session, uh, just ask the question, what is one simple thing that God wants me to do with this? Just one. Just ask. And, 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 and expect that God will kind of give you a nudge. And when he does, that nudge is good. It's not, it's Louis. Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. 
available wherever you download your apps.